Welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber, and every two weeks we talk search engine optimization with the world's leading SEO practitioners. We interview a mix of in-house SEO leads from the world's biggest brands and SEO thought leaders, many from leading search technology brands, plus the world's foremost SEO educators. They'll all be lifting the hood on their own SEO journey, as well as sharing the tips and tricks behind how the best and brightest minds in SEO go about their trade of dominating the SERP. SEO nerds, this one's for you. Hello and welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. I'm Russ McCumber, I'm your host. You hear my voice every two weeks. I talk to the world's best SEOs. And for those who you know, pretty active on LinkedIn. You have to have seen this bloke's name. His name's Andrew Holland. He's based in the UK. G'day, Andrew. Great, great to be here. Thank you very much for the invites. No worries. Do you prefer Andrew or Andy? I should have asked before we got on here. Friend call me Andy, uh, but my my stage name must be Andrew. You know, I, I think my wife says I, I sound pretentious when I say Andrew, but like if I went around the internet changing Andrews to Andys, I'd take me forever. So I stick with the online okay. thing of Andrew, but that uh, you can call me Andy. All right, I'm going to go with Andy. Excellent. All right, Andy, well, let's get stuck straight into it. What do you believe is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2023? <laughs> Make a list. Uh, I think the number one challenge is going to be adaptability in terms of adapting mm-hmm. to the constant changes and also adapting strategies to, 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 to match those changes. I, I think we don't have a clue what's coming in 2023. So we're going to have to be really agile and being adaptive is the key. Excellent. I love it. So for all those cookie cutter SEO consultants and agencies out there, you're going to be in for a bit of strife. If you can't change that template you've been rolling out for the last five years, that's what I'm hearing. Oh yes, yes. We'll get, I'm sure we'll get into that in a very short time. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So today we're going to talk about Andrew's history and some of his philosophy around SEO. More importantly, you really wanted to talk today about how to link SEO to broader marketing effectiveness. So we're, we're going to get there. And I think that's something that really caught my eye with, with some of the content that you've been sharing on LinkedIn is the way you're kind of tying it into what's, what else is happening in the marketing space. But I'd love to just sort of go back and find out a bit more about yourself. Like, how did you initially get into marketing? Were you, was it straight out of school or did you stumble your way there from through a side door? What was oh, your, man, what was this your is such a crazy story. I, I do hate telling it, but I also love telling it. So, so I joined the police at age 16. Uh, I was a, a, under a special cadet program, which is full time. And then I joined as a regular officer at 18 and where I stayed until I was 35, 36. And, and yeah, so I didn't enter into professional marketing until I was 36, but during that time, you do a lot of marketing in the police and you do a lot of content. I mean, every day you're taking statements, you're writing content daily. And what ended up happening was it's, it's kind of weird. I ended up in a role in covert policing and police intelligence, which involved informant handling. And we had our own intelligence search engine that we used to have to create content for and, and put that content on that search engine. Do I have to have to recruit informants and things like that? and then get their intelligence and sanitize it and put it on the search engine. And, and that basically, I, I didn't know at the time we didn't call it SEO, but that's what it was. We didn't call it content marketing, but that's what it was um, because the informants only got paid on results. So I'd have to go and market that content to teams. And this is going back some years. I was 24 when I entered this department and I'm 44 now. So, uh, you know, 20 years ago, and I did that for like eight or nine years and 
and it's network science really. I ended up leaving that department to go on the promotion wagon and got qualified as a, as a sergeant. And, and what happened was this, the recession, 2008 recession happened. Uh, but during that time, I'd end up, da I'd been dabbling with website building, like, you know, interested in building websites. I don't know why I just sort of gravitated towards it. And then I set up a bit of a martial arts club with a friend of mine and it bombed the whole thing bombed. And, um, I read every guru thing on marketing there was, didn't know anything about business. And then what happened was we had to close cause we, the, the, we couldn't afford decent mats and the mats were slipping to the risk of injury. And even though I spent a fortune trying to get people in through the door, done all the things like advertising in newspapers, all that kind of stuff. And I said, I'd swore I'd never open up another business until I learned everything that was about marketing. And then, so that sent me on a huge, huge, big journey. But during that time I started blogging and ended up uh, getting an interview like on the biggest radio show in the UK at the time. What were you blogging about? Self-defense and martial arts and things like that. And, and okay. everything else. I, mean, gotcha. I, had, I had loads of different things like the cake recipe website that flopped. That was embarrassing. I had review product review sites. I tried everything. And in the end, I got on this massive radio show and, and I was like, how have you found me? Like, you know, 8 million listeners. And they said, oh, we found you on Google. And I thought, what? This got, this got, what's all this? What's this witchcraft, voodoo-like magic yeah. that can get me from and my $7 a month GoDaddy WYSIWYG website onto the national radio? So, and, and that just opened a, a door for me to go and find out, okay, well, how did this happen? Let me reverse engineer it. Let's try it, see if I can replicate it. Oh, hold on a second here. There's video marketing too. And there's Facebook marketing. And I just went on this massive journey. I'd get in from night, like a late shift at midnight. I'd pour myself a glass of Pinot Grigio whilst the kids and the wife were asleep. And I'd do an hour's like webinar or things like that. And, you know, I got started watching Glenn Allsop's Cloud Living Blueprint. It's that long ago. And then, and then I just yeah. did loads of things. And then, and I developed bad asthma. So the police said they wouldn't promote me because, uh, even though I was qualified, because I got bad asthma and I couldn't go out on the streets anymore. And I said, okay, well, just retire me off and then I'll start a new career. And that was at 35. I replaced my income from the police within about two days with marketing clients. And also oh, you were freelance consultant. Yeah, I just, I, I did everything for everybody. I built websites, I did social media, and I just seemed to have a knack with it and then end up. I ended up buying Brian Dean's uh, SEO that works course from Backlinko, if you know, Brian. And so I ended up buying that course, ended up in that group. And then it just cascaded in terms of I do some work and get some results. I'd showcase the results. Someone else had hired me. And then, then I do other results. Like I was doing social media stuff and <clears throat> load of viral videos. I've like 20 million video views for clients and things. And I just kept on going up and up, got featured on Backlinko a couple of times, helped out with some work on that. And then. And then I just kept going and going. And then the agency that my freelance operation grew, we had staff and everything. And then COVID hit, we had to close, virtually destroyed it all. And then post COVID it grew bigger than ever. And then it kind of like, I'd reached the point where I couldn't recruit any higher because in the UK there was, uh, every agency was bidding remote now, remote work. So I was really struggling yeah. and the price tag for SEOs in the UK was like staggering. So what I ended up saying, yeah. somebody offered me a role in house and said, do you know what, do you want to come work in a big agency, see what it's like, come in, run the department, 20, 20 odd staff and hundred odd clients. And I did that for a year, took my staff and my clients with me. And then, and then I, I, for various reasons, I wasn't, uh, I exited that and I'm at the current agency I'm at now, which is one of the biggest digital PR specialist agencies. And 
I'm growing their SEO department from scratch. So uh, that's kind of fun too. Wow. So, hey, that was a fast, cool. fast, fast tour. No, I like it. I'll tell you what, I can resonate a lot to you. I like to tell people I took the scenic route to where I am. I work pubs and all sorts of different stuff. But uh, your content that you share, it, is all, it all makes sense now because, because you've done so many other parts of marketing. Like I've, I've done print ads. I've done six cents cost per click Google ads back and I've banner ads back in 2001, two, three, you know what I mean? I've been through a whole lot and it does give you a broader perspective on how they all fit in together and how, it, I mean, marketing is marketing, whether it's, as, whether a tactic is different, you know, it, it's generally all about trying to idea. It's pretty much, it hasn't changed that much over the weeks of time. It's just the mediums and, you know, slight changes in the, in the, in the tactics. So really interesting to hear that. And also, cause I had, I think I read somewhere that you had moved into like, you know, full-time SEO at like 35, I'm 44 as well. Ah, so cool. I read that and I'm like, oh, wow, Jesus, come a long way really quickly. But I can see now that it's a whole like career in the background while you're with the yeah, police. Yeah, it wasn't like was I growing. just decided one day I woke up and be an SEO. It took a long time. So I was doing <laughs> amateur SEO yeah. for like eight yeah. years before I sold a professional mark, a marketing service, you know, so it's like, so I was, I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the background and. You know, I, I tried a few different businesses on the side and things to, to work, and it, it, yeah. it so it, it, it says, "Oh, I mean, like one day I just walked up and decided to be a marketing agency." The one thing I wasn't very good at is business. That's the thing. Marketing I tend to find quite easy. Business I find I found really hard, and that took me a long time to get the metrics. I've never been in an agency before or anything like that, so I've never been a freelancer. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn all that stuff. That was the hard yeah. bit. I was very institutionalized by the police as well. So that was very challenging. But, you know, we got there in the end. I'm there now, you know, so I'm enjoying it now. That's interesting. And you flash, you did, you did that a bit backwards. Usually people go agency, they learn about models and structures and all that sort of stuff. Then they go on their own because they got a lot of information. You uh, did it backwards. Yeah, so. you know, I, I was very, I had a very successful little consultancy and a great life and great agency. And it, it was very profitable. I think what the, what the thing was is that I... How should I put it? I didn't, I thought to myself, I'd never worked in an agency, so I have no comparison sets and I have all these preconceived ideas. So I thought, hey, let's see how it goes. And, and you know, it was a very much a learning curve and learning experience. And I'm very happy at my current agency where I'm at. And that's, that's the main thing. Yeah. What's been the biggest, biggest, oh, well, that's how agencies do that. Or that's, you know, that's really interesting. Is there, is there been one thing that you've, that you've, that's really struggling. Yeah, it's really difficult. So the last thing was that was full service, and this one was a digital is a is a very rare beast, which is a digital PR link building specialist agency. So it's been very interesting seeing two comparisons. And I think and I, I have a lot of friends who are agency owners now. I mean, uh, that's something I didn't have before. And I think one thing I've learned is that agencies exist to make money primarily, and that's the reality of it. And the, the, the we ha agencies have to deliver some kind of output. I think there is a lack of marketing experience within agencies full stop on how marketing works. And we've all got this and, and everyone's trying to put sticky tape on, try and put it together. And there's, there's a difference because it, there's a budget constraint usually where people come to agencies. They, there's ROI issues, which I'm sure we'll get on as effectiveness issues. In essence, I don't think that agencies from my own experience and generally from things I observe, I don't think agencies understand it marketing well enough 
to deliver it properly. And I think probably there's there's a lot of distrust of agencies. I know there is. Someone even told me the other day that hate agencies. It, there's a lot of distrust of mm. agencies, but that's because people don't. I think people agencies don't understand what clients really want, and clients don't understand what agencies really do, and the two don't don't match in the middle. If that makes sense. Okay, so I'd really love to dig deeper on that because there is a. It wasn't one of our original talking points, but like the friction between agencies and clients, the general perception of agencies and like there is a, there's almost like a conflict of, okay, well, they've paid for so many hours or hidden so many hours. And I feel that agencies too often focus on, okay, well, let's deliver the output, but there's no overlap of the output versus the actual results that they drive. It's just the hours. And my gut feel I've got, because I've owned an agency myself and I've been doing this for a long time. It's, like there's two parts to it. Quite often you get these agency professionals who have only ever worked in agencies. They've never spent a dollar of their own. These, these panaceos and the like, they've never invested their own money into marketing. So they have no concept that every minute of time you put in needs to generate some kind of ROI. So there's that, but then you can't always hire people who've owned their own businesses. So then there's also building a culture and a mindset around like a return on every action? Like, do, do you follow? Like, I just, yeah, it's a tough thing. And, and this, hey, you, you've raised the, a big, we could talk about this forever, but I mean, there's a big, there's a big, there's a big issue with the marketing in, in the fact that marketing agencies don't deliver what marketing science says works. And that's the reality of it. So marketing, marketing agencies deliver set fixed services. So it, it's, it's a bit like going to McDonald's every day and expecting to have high quality health and nutrition. If you go to an agency based on what agencies deliver, agencies deliver like fast food menus items. And, but you know, you've got to, 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 to actually realistically have long-term health, you've got to cure food and things like that. And that, that's the reality of it. But generally speaking, if you look at any major company, Yes, a lot of them do work with agencies for supplementary activities, but most have their own internal marketing mm. departments, which are quite, quite large because they got there. Some had agencies to start off with, some had talented internal managers, which are really good and things like that. We've ended up with this really weird culture that's happened with the marketing over the past 15, well, 13, 15 years in terms of you can leave university with a degree age you know, 20 odd and walk in and get ahead of marketing job in any small business because you happen to be young, which is a massively bad thing. And they don't understand growth leaving mechanisms. Then we can touch on ROI and things like that. But what ends up happening is you end up a lot of the time with the tail wagging the dog. So the marketing agency or the marketing specialist deliver what they think will keep the owner happy. And it's this short-term obsession about ROI. It's the metrics and it's the short-term nature of it. And, and, and then you end up feeding this narrative about ROI and about short-term success and short-term results and so on and so forth. And you end up with this massive mess where you've got agencies delivering what they think people want and people thinking they, what they want isn't what agencies deliver and then constantly questioning the, the return on the money they spend with agencies. And there's this huge friction, pro. You hit the nail on there. There's a massive friction because both are speaking completely separate languages. And it's very hard, mm. you know, even my own experience working with clients, it's very hard to get on the same page with them because you're trying to do something that keeps them happy and in a living that's going to help them move further down the marketing chain and the, and, the, and increase success. But then you haven't predetermined what success is and you've got channel siloing and all that kind of stuff. 
and you end up with this massive mm. big mess which is where I think we would describe digital marketing as it is now, a huge, great, big mess of shiny objects. So I'd like to actually get into the, you know, linking SEO to marketing effectiveness, because this really crosses over well with what we're talking about now. And I think that, you know, I guess that's the, the agency model of like, okay, well, let's deliver. It's like, let's keep them happy, keep them happy, keep them happy. But are they happy in the moment or are we building like something more long-term sustainable for them? And how does this fit into the rest of their marketing activity? Like how are we making sure that we're not just building a moat around ourselves that has no connection to, to any other part of their, their program or, or their overall you know, business strategy? Why was it that you chose this topic to, to really, you know, talk to Well, today? I mean, if we go look at the marketing science, I mean, the Ehrenberg Bass Institute of Marketing Science, although it does get criticism. It's pretty much wrote the book on how brands grow. It is called How Brands Grow. It's written by uh, Byron Sharp, mm. a, a professor at the Ehrenberg Bass. They review constant data, peer-reviewed stuff. It's the best we've got to marketing law. And we know that brands grow through two things, market, mental availability and physical availability. Mental availability being the likelihood that somebody's going to think of a business in a buying situation and the physical availability, the ease and convenience of buying it. Those are the two laws. Now, if you do increase your mental and physical availability, you will increase what they call like category buyers. So the more chance that somebody will buy from your business because you've increased those too. Now, I've never walked in in my entire life of speaking to any agencies or clients. Very rarely have I heard many people talk about mental and physical availability. It is starting to gain yeah. penetration now. But if marketing agencies aren't talking in those terms, and they've been around for 10 years, I mean, I first read How Brands Grow about eight to nine years ago. And if we're not talking in those terms and we're not linking what we do to marketing science, then it's hard to call ourselves marketing professionals if we're ignoring the science. Now, the reason why that is, there's a lot of pseudo pop culture around marketing, CRO, ROI, and all those kind of things that we, that we, that we feel we have to do because what happens with marketing is you hit the nail on the head. People fall into marketing and they fall into marketing. So mm. if you're a young person, you're 16 to 23, you join an agency, you're tutored and mentored by the people who've got certain level of experience before you, you learn by osmosis, you listen to conversations, you maybe educate yourself with blogs. You just can't, you've got no academic research. And then maybe you go and learn academic stuff and then you try and fill that in, and which is kind of where I'm at. And you, you end up with this really like challenging viewpoint of, okay, well, how do we make SEO aligned to proper marketing? In truth, SEO, we've got funnels, haven't we? We know that we know from marketing science, the, the people that we need to reach are the people that haven't even heard of us yet. If we reach more of those people out mm. of market, when they, when they're ready to buy what we offer, they'll, they'll think of us and maybe buy from us and we win. And what SEO is really bad in touch is it in actual fact, it is. It is the shelf. So is this saying search is the new shelf? So if you think about a shelf as a supermarket, when somebody goes to a search engine, the vast majority of the time they're in the market to buy. They're in the supermarket. They're walking down Google's shelf, Google's aisles, I should say, mm. and they come across the product where you are, and maybe they'll buy it there. Maybe they'll pick it up, put it down, they'll look at it. The top shelf could be PPC because no one really uses the top shelf very often. We we all scrape down, very similar models. And and that's, that's where we're at. So SEO does a very, very good job. And PPC does, to be fair, of capturing people ready to buy today off search engines. But that means there's a whole bunch of market out there, a potential market we're ignoring. And if we shove all our money 
in PPC, which is what most people do these days. And that's, then we can talk about RI for one in a minute, but what most people put it into paid ads, what then happens is you miss out on the shoe section of shelf, which is SEO. And if you ignore that, then you also probably ignoring the, all the people out of market with advertising to talk about your brand and create mental associations for when they are in the moment to buy. So end up, you end up focusing on a really tiny amount of, of potential marketplace market. And yeah, you'll make some money, but you won't grow and there won't be long-term growth. And, and because that's because most brands don't see the point of brand, most businesses don't see the point of brand advertising and they don't see the point of doing publicity when an actual, if you go back, if you go back years ago, when I was a kid, there was like radio advertisements on all the time and jingles and things like that. So there was one called Amanda for Blinds played every second. Well, who do you think was the person people went to for blinds locally? It was that same shot. We ditched all that. We ditched all that for performance marketing. And we think, and we're all so clever and everyone thinks they're really good and, and look what we sell, but we're actually not growing businesses because we're trying to focus too much on ROI. And that's the problem. And, and, and SEO is great. It's, it's an investment and it'll activate more buyers, but it's not the only thing out there. It has to be properly weighted against everything. For sure. And I think just, you touched on a lot there, which, which just really hits home. You know, we talked earlier, it's been pretty similar for a long time. It's just the mediums and the tactics. Like you talk about walking down the aisle, PPC, like it's just merchandising. It's old school. It's been in retail for hundreds of, you know, a couple of hundred years. And it's the same mindset of people are going to look to a certain place and then they're going to have trust in a certain place, eye level, that sort of thing. Interesting. You do share a lot of thoughts around PPC and, you know, I, I've scrolled through your posts to see whether more PPC people would jump on and, and sort of, you know, think they're being attacked, but it's actually been pretty balanced in your comments. I found quite interesting. Hey, yeah. They're pretty, pretty much generally, I mean, there's some pretty nasty comments to be fair that come through, but the, I don't care about that too much of you. I've, when you've had everything said to you in the world that could be the most horrible comments from human beings, like when I was in the police, a little yeah. bit, it does annoy me sometimes, you know, cause I just see the comment and think, oh man, you, you don't know anything about marketing. The thing with PPC is, first of all, it, it, the PPC is, is, is a very, very broad term. And any post I'm writing about when it's PPC, it's quite clear I'm talking about SERP link placements, you know, not paid social, not things display advertising, anything like that. And the reason that people can't understand is what happens is you don't create demand with PPC. You reach a very small very few people go to the top shelf of a supermarket. They don't for loads of reasons. Just like we know, because of click-through rate studies, most people get past the ads. Most people don't click in. We know that. The data's out there. It's proven. Despite what people say, PPC works generally on an ROI, return on investment. And that's a terrible metric to judge marketing success on. So what happens is, is, it, is you can get ROI, but if you reduce your spend or reduce your target too much, you put all the fish in a barrel. It's like going fishing with fishing in a barrel. That's the equivalent of it. You, you, of course, you're going to catch some with a net if you go fishing. There's only there's only ten fish to catch, and they're really really easy to catch. That's that's PPC. If I'm honest with you, you're reducing the the reach massively, and then say, hey, we got massive ROI. We only spent ten thousand dollars. We got massive ROI. Look at us. We're so clever and things. And 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 by the way, that's perfectly fine because that's a good strategy. Because you can say, I spent ten thousand pound and we made fifty thousand pound. Fantastic. That's great. But that's not your marketing. The mistake is 
is you think, you know, okay, well, that's the profit we made in the business. What you should do is then say, okay, well, we'll reinvest in marketing. We're going to take that 50,000 we made in profit every month. We're going to smash it all on brand. We're going to put some of that in SEO. That's how you grow. The problem is, is that what happens is that, and I, and I know this from years of experience, is that PPC will say, okay, well, we've exhausted this little part. Let's move on to another little part keyword where it's going to be highly converting. Well, can we have some more budget for that? And great. And you keep increasing the budget where you're only ever reaching a very small defined audience because ROI, you know, you can reduce spend and, and gain ROI results. Anyone can. It's, it's, it's easy. But marketing is about profit. ROI literally is advertising spend, net, you know, net profit after that. And then, oh, look, that's your ROI. That's not your mark ROI of your marketing budget. ROI was always designed as a metric to look at capital investments over a long period of time, not short-term marketing metrics. And if you address only the short-term ROI, you'll get no growth and you'll get like a flat line. Like you've seen the charts I put online, it goes up like this and it goes mm. across. You won't grow because there's no brand growth. SEO, to be fair, pretty much does the same. I mean, we do reach people that not in the market sometimes very, very badly, but we do reach that. We reach more people in the market with content, comparison posts, reviews, all that kind of stuff, and also more people for buyer-related and purchase intent keywords. And we do. We capture more of the available market, but it's a competitive process because we're competing against other mm. brands. So as a result, it's an investment in the business. So you... Someone spends a fortune on SEO, you can't even judge where, how that works until you're on page one anyway, so the keywords you want to get at. so But it's a business saying, okay, we want to reach more buyers. The other alternative is what you do is you just, you know, you invest in a load of brand advertising, which is great, and that will encourage people to go looking and, and you'll find you on PPC. But again, you will activate and reach as many people as you possible because you're only reaching the smallly defined audience by your own keyword, keyword targeting on PPC. So... It's this understanding the the yeah. logic behind it is if you invest heavily in PPC, you're investing in a very small amount of reach and it, you're not going to capture the most market. So it's not competitive long term. I guess the challenge is, I, I, I hear you loud and clear. What about the, you know, CFRs and the CROs who are looking at, they, they love ROI. They love, I give you a dollar, you give me five bucks back. Great. I'll give you two bucks. I'll give you three bucks. And as you say, it's going to plateau. It's not scalable forever. You're not creating demand. You're just squeezing more and more out of the same. You're squeezing more and more of the juice out of the same piece of fruit that's going to eventually dry out. Uh, how can marketing leaders, SEOs, like how can we communicate in a way that resonates with CFOs, with CROs, CEOs who like, let's be honest, they they just like, they would prefer marketing to be more simple. And, and do you know what? You've got to have a centralized metric for that. And a lot of people are saying it's share of search. So share of search is a really interesting metric in terms of, you know, and I use a tool called My Telescope, to be fair, to, to, to measure share of search. And really, if you take all the brand terms, purchase intent terms in a single category, you can look at interest. So really interesting. Think through Google published an article for Kia the other day, their EV range. And I put a post on LinkedIn about this in terms of, uh, the 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 agency and the head of brand communications are celebrating that they'd earn more money off a smaller market and increase CPA and things like that. When I actually looked at the EV range for Kia, search interest in that product market, product line, and their brand and the relation to that product line was massively declining, hugely declining. Now we know because share of search is a metric by the IPA and there's a share of search council which are promoting it. 
as a measure, simple measure of effectiveness for most people. We know that if your share of search declines, that your sales are going to decline probably on a six month to 12 months basis. And it's got about an 83%, I think, effectiveness measurement uh, basis. They can even predict who's going to win elections and things like that, you know, in retrospect. But because, because naturally search interest is there. So it tells us that the fact is if you're a CFO and you're thinking, okay, great. What's, you know, why should I care about any of these other metrics? Like look at share of search interest. If the interest in your brand business or product is declining, so will the sales. And that's why you should be interested in the metrics because we can only catch what's interest. So if there's no volume going to search or less volume or less interest, going, your sales will fall off because you won't catch as many people. So that's the argument we've got to make is to bring a measure of effectiveness to the table that that CFOs and managers absolutely like can say, oh yeah, I get it, 100%. And you can visualize it by saying, hey, look at the trend. Same for stagnated trends as well. But you can do it in Search Console, go get your Search Console. If, you know, if brand, split your brand traffic, if brand traffic or product or purchase intent traffic is is declining, then, you know, you've got to do something about it because less people are interested. That might be market conditions. That might be global conditions. Yeah. There's a load of reasons, but you, yeah. you might be able to solve it with publicity and advertising. You won't be able to solve it with more PPC and SEO. That's just the reality of it. Interesting, interesting. This reminds me of a, I remember earlier in my career working as a sales manager and I had a sales director put in above me, which is annoying. But anyway, <laughs> he was a really nice guy. And he was adamant that we were tracking the, like the future prospects and the growth of the business in the wrong way. Cause we were just looking at pure sales, just a lagging metric. How are our sales going and they're trending up? Are we hitting numbers? Yes. And he was like, I'm over here looking at NDS, our customers, that number's going backwards. So whatever you're doing in this space over here, it's going to catch up to us and we're about to dip. And he wanted his pay linked to NPS as much as it was linked to current mm-hmm. sales. And I remember at the time thinking, we are, we're making record numbers here. You're crazy. Yeah. And then like, it, took me, it took me a while afterwards to actually realize, and it's exactly this. What are some other ways we can look at our success now? What are some other things that we can look at as pathways to future success? Some other, you know, some metrics or some North Stars? Well, I mean, for me, it's share of search. So that's, that's the ultimate one. Short, short of you doing massively expensive brand analysis studies and tracking things and things like that, you know, to have a very short measure where you can go and look at is the interest in our product and brand increasing, is the purchase intent increasing? Because at the end of the day, this is the thing is, so, you know, we don't really examine search journeys. If you, I'll give you a very quick case study. So I've got one of those electronic e-tablets things. Uh, there was a brand, I forget what it's called though. It's, it's, it's not impossible, incredible, something like that. It's, it's, so it's a brand, it's a silver one. They were smashing Facebook ads. I'd never even considered one of those products before I saw their advertisements for brand on Facebook. So I went on their website yeah. and, and to be honest with you, it wasn't great. Then somebody told me about a competitor, word of mouth. I went Googling them, it wasn't great. Ended up on YouTube, listening to all these different videos and things like that about, about which tool. And I, I picked another one. It took me six months of research to pick the product that I wanted, which isn't the one that first got me interested in the market. And it was neither brand did a very good job but if each brand had done a slightly better job with their SEO, they would have had me earlier as a customer. They Because I was ready to buy in month one because I was convinced I wanted one. I just didn't know which one. So I, there are two brands who have kind of reliantly basically give their 
um, marketing to somebody else to try and do and that didn't work out very you know they they sort of like not and they've lost the sales one brand lost sales who did all this great work and you know and there's an interesting one where their interest in their product is probably dec- massively increasing and they're probably getting sales as well but also maybe they're not looking at search data such as which is better this one or that one and they're not making matching content so that's where seo i think can can fire it in is when we're looking at share of search, we fill in the gaps and we look at what we're not getting and what 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 searches mm. are coming out as a result of advertising or publicity and we make matching content to match that because that's high purchase intent and that increases sales yep. or reduces the loss of the risk of the competitors getting sales. Do I think that um the ultimate guide to e tablets is necessarily well it's still in market, but you know Again, it's it's not necessarily going to convince me to buy one or the other because it was on a brand website. It's it's different than that. It's different. You know, there's more going on. There's status increases, status losses, and buying products and what it looks like and feels like. You know, I think we've mm. got to get out of this SEO does it all kind of mentality. There are other channels, and we've got to create search interest. And we we in essence, SEO is my opinion. SEO is we create big nets. We create big nets, and we big mm-hmm. we go out and big fishing trawlers. And we fish effectively to catch what's in the ocean, but other things cause, you know, currents cause things to be and fish to be where they are. You know, we just got to go out and find yeah. them and create these big nets to go and catch them. We're industrial fishermen, so to speak. Yeah. Do you feel that SEOs are included often enough in, in broader marketing conversations with with businesses? No, we're they're literally second class citizens. That's why we've got a. That's yeah. why we've got to own share of search as a metric. We know understand keyword yeah. research and things like that. We've got to kind of, and this is the problem. When I read kind of the marketing advice online from gurus and things like that, and I was like, "What? How? How is that going to work? It's not going to work." You know, from from SEO people, great. You know, there's so many case studies out there. We did this and we did that. Ultimately, the best case studies are the ones that get people ranking to their buyer terms. The same terms they wanted on PPC. There's very little informational mm. content outside of that that does brilliantly. And even then, when we look at how we measure it, you know, 30 day tracking window in Google Analytics is what we've had for years. And last click attribution, mm. maybe assisted attribution. I know GA4 has got um, a 90 day window, I think it is now. And you've got AI modeling and things. But listen, we're flying in the dark. Mm. Cookies, browsers, all that kind of stuff. But tra- tra- you know, bot tracking, tra- bot stopping. We're making marketing decisions based on a really imperfect picture and ignoring reality. And I think, I think we've, we've got problems, but we've, we're always going to be the little office in the corner, the person, the geeky SEO people that don't really do, we don't do, do what we don't know until we start yeah. standing up and say, hey, listen, this is the way it works. This is how we can help you. This is the logic and science behind it. Yeah. And I definitely think that, like, I've got a, a presentation which I, Travel them in and present on just on soft skills and the importance of soft skills for marketers, for SEOs to be able to like actually communicate what we're bringing to the table, how important it is, get buy in because SEO is that, you know, it's, it's the one that crosses over UX and brand and dev and design and like it crosses over so many. And if you don't have the ability to be able to pick up how to effectively communicate what you need to, to someone else or another team or someone above you, below you, wherever you're going to get stuck. Like you become your own model neck because you can't actually effectively communicate it. And just interesting there, what you mentioned, we sort of touched on attribution, which I've been like hitting my head against the wall for years. That attribution is dumbest idea 
Like for us to think that we can choose one channel and go, that was it. Or even we can break up and go, well, it's 5% here, 10% here. Like no one's inside our brains. Rand Fiskin is, is, is on right at the moment around measurement over attribution because attribution was largely built as a, you know, it's for, for your CFOs, for your CROs to go, look, there's my ROI. I can point to that and put more money there. But if you're measuring things instead and using, you know, your marketing experience and your marketing gut to, to see how the marketing mix is working together, then you're, you're basically, you're more accurately reflecting the way decisions happen because they don't happen. It's not one thing. It might be maybe one last act gets you over the line, but who knows what percentage, who knows how many touch points happened before that? Who knows if you weren't going to convert anyway, just because I clicked on that ad, I was probably 80% likely to convert. You probably wasted money on that clip. You know, you could have gone and got someone else outside your funnel. Massively, so, yeah. you know. It, it is. It's, yeah, it's just an interesting. It, it is, but you, you know, when we when we look at what's going on out there in terms of th this becomes a bit of a channel silo issue where everyone's competing against each other. Mm. You know, as it was said to me not long ago, marketing business owners care about profit. They don't care about marketing department yeah. profit. They care about the marketing department not wasting money. There's a big difference between the mm -hmm. marketing department making profit than that they can say, "Look, we made profit." than the business making sales. There's a huge issue there. Now, no one's saying that you shouldn't look at KPI, but you can't judge SEO like you would judge PPC. That's just ridiculous because, you know, the, the, the actual fact of PPC is instant. SEO takes time. It's a competitive mm. advantage to have organic rankings. That's just the clear. When you do it, you're doing it for, because it's a competition. You want to compete against the other businesses to win more business. It's you versus other businesses, mm. not how successful is your SEO agency? Sure, judge them on performance. How did they get ranked? Did they not get ranked? All that kind of stuff. Key performance indicators, but not the ROI of SEO. Because it takes years to judge mm. the ROI of a successful SEO campaign. You know, you, you mm. once you you know as well, once you've once you've ranked, you've got to maintain it. But actually it's a lot easier to maintain rankings than it is because you've got all the content's got to go on there and the links and things like that. As long as you're doing that, then maintaining you'll kill it with SEO for a long, long period of time. If you don't you know, this different, you measure different than the, you, you don't, you, you don't judge your YouTube channel of how much money it makes. So why would you judge that? You don't do a judge your logo based on how <laughs> many, how much money it generated. You know, this is the logics and we're sort of absurdly trying to get ROI out of everything. And then we cut the channel and we can't judge ROI very well, or we don't look at it properly. So this is, this is the kind mm. of problem we've got to revisit that. But the, the difficulty is the business owners will put pressure on marketing managers internally and say, you know, I want ROI, I want ROI. It takes a very, very strong marketing manager to turn around to the business owner and say, hey, listen, this isn't how it works. It works like this. You give me this huge bar of cash. I will tell, I will invest some of it in direct advertising and I'll tell you what ROI we got. The rest of it's on brand marketing and we're going to spend it all. And I don't care. And that's yeah. the thing. Have a direct advertising budget that you get ROI from. Nothing wrong with that. Have a brand budget that you completely blow it all. And then you look at the channels and look at what happened, the result of that. And if you don't, if the business doesn't make profit, there might be loads of reasons why that is. But, but ultimately, that's the thing. When you throw all your budget into direct advertising or performance marketing, what you're doing is ignoring brand and don't grow. And that's why we're in that, the state we're in now where business is struggling. That, oh, no, I can't. We, we've been doing this for 10 years and we've not grown. Agencies are terrible. Agencies are awful. But agencies are actually delivering this metric ROI. And that's like where there's this friction. They're delivering what a, the agency, what the business owner wants ROI. But that's because the business owner doesn't really know how it works. 
That's the truth. And the marketing yeah. manager is asking for ROI because the business owner is judging their performance on ROI, but that's not how it works. Profit of a business matters more than anything else, not ROI of the marketing department. Great conversation, Andy. I've got a couple more things to cover off on, then we're going to do Vox Pop. Okay. I just want to get to LinkedIn. You're, I've only you're... got five minutes, so do apologize. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. We're going to zoom through. All good. Just quickly on LinkedIn, do you, do you actually have a content strategy? Like, is that something that you plan out in advance or is it just free? You uh, know? Every day I, I post one thing that I want to say about SEO and marketing and that's the strategy. And, and yeah, so I try to I try to explain the point with images where I can. Sometimes it's just there. It, yeah. Part of it's infotainment a little bit mm -hmm. of, the, of the eye there. But just to say, hey, let's get people, give someone an option for thinking differently. That's the goal. Every day, go out there. And you do ruffle feathers a bit, like, oh, I actually want to look back through your posts and see if I can find those trolls because I've had a look through and I couldn't see too many, but I want to have another read. Do you, is that a conscious decision for broader reach or is that just you being? Yeah, no, I mean, I, it's, hey, listen, if I say PPC doesn't do very well, PPC people are going to go mental. Of course they are. But then they can't yeah. justify their yeah. position with a logical standpoint when you're talking about broad marketing science and nor can I convey it in a single LinkedIn post. You'd have to have like a huge thing that you sit there and justify, you know, and, and then the reality is a lot of people don't even read the post properly. They'll think I'm talking about Facebook ads when I'm talking about in the, they end up, you know, prune rocks. There's really, it's a really sad situation that PPC specialists need to get off their high horse, for lack of a better word, and understand where they fit in the, in the grand scheme of, of marketing. And it, it, they are not the be all and end all. That's just the reality of it. They're just the top shelf and they need to get rich on yep. that. And business owners need to figure that out as well. Controversial, maybe. Factual, yeah. You know, there it is. Love it. Love it. Thanks so much, Andy. You're right. Well. Time for our Vox Pop. So I'm just going to ask you some questions. I want to hear the first thing that pops into your mind. Ready? Yeah. Cool. Which previous Google algo change still keeps you up at night? The last one. Whatever the last one is, that keeps me up. All right. What is your favorite non-obvious software tool that you use every day to research or execute? Um, my telescope. Fantastic tool. Just started using it in the last six months. Highly recommend it. Which do you prefer, content or links? Ah, that's an interesting one. Um, I don't prefer either one of them. I prefer publicity and advertising. That is the best SEO strategy you'll ever have. It's good TV advertising, good radio ads, good media campaigns. They work better than anything else. And then you go content and links after that. Love it. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used in your career? The most effective link building technique, me personally, has been content, and that's the truth of it. But I see digital PR daily in the performance of it, and that is by far the most effective link building technique right now, digital PR. Cool. Do you think the skyscraper technique is still relevant today? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course it is. You just Everyone's just one piece of content away from tons of links and success. You just don't know what that content is. And skyscraper has been wrongly done badly by a lot of people, so... It's been the reason why it's got bad bad reputation these days is because it's been wrongly done. It was it's it, they need to go and do the training to understand it. Poor application. Okay, got it. What do you love most about SEO? I love the most that it it's potentially the most powerful channel out there, but the most least understood. Yeah, yeah. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? <laughs> okay, SEO principles daily life uh, just. Make the best websites possible, and that's for me is SEO. Make the best life possible for yourself. A work from home life or office life or hybrid life? What's your hybrid? Thoughts? I can't work from home. I I, I kill the family and hate to say that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Semros or Ahrefs? Interesting one. Semros is getting better all the time for business information. Ahrefs still has a better backlink profile, so it depends on what you want. Last one. What do you think is the best mix for brands? Agency or in-house or a combination? Combination. I think it. you should start off with a core marketing manager in-house as a brand. Rely on agencies, scale up, and then continue to run agencies, but bring more staff internally to handle those relationships mm. and also make sure it's been done properly and have control as well. Excellent. Andy, thank you so much. We're bang up on time. If people want to reach out to you, LinkedIn? Is yeah, it? LinkedIn's the best place. Grab hold of me and that's you'll see me there every day. Excellent. Thanks so much. That's another episode of SEO Success Stories. If you've enjoyed it, jump on. We're on our big Apple review hunt. So please jump on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Hit up Andy on LinkedIn. And that's another episode of SEO Success. Thanks again, Andy. Pleasure. Thank you very much.